One of the lessons I've learned in martial arts is that standing still is asking to be hit. If you stand still in business, your competition is going to catch up. I start each morning practicing martial arts because it brings me balance and focus. And I want to know how others stay motivated as well. So join me for conversations on business, innovation, and entrepreneurship. I'm Dan Schulman. Welcome to Never Stand Still. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Never Stand Still. I'm Dan Schulman, the president and CEO of PayPal, and I'm thrilled today to have Marcos Galperin on uh, the show. Marcos is the co-founder of Mercado Libre. Um, most of you have probably heard of Mercado Libre before, but they are a e-commerce giant and a uh, payments uh, giant in Latin and South America. Uh, Marcos co-founded uh, Mercado Libre while he was in business school, so many, many, many years ago. He's clearly smarter than I am because he got into a Stanford Business School, which I had no chance of ever getting into. Um, and um, he, uh, did you go to Wharton as well? Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Um, so University of Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, he's on several boards, uh, also on the board of Endeavor, a nonprofit that uh, uh, both Marcos and I know well, and, and they do tremendous work uh, around the globe. And uh, Marcos uh, and I have been good friends uh, for quite some time. PayPal, Mercado Libre have a close commercial partnership, um, and um, we do many things together. And so, Marcos, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Dan. Very nice to be here, and excellent to catch up with you again. Yeah. So let's start off from the uh, beginning, uh, Marcos. Uh, you came up with the idea uh, while you were in business school. I think uh, uh, this is all the way back in 1999, so you've been doing this for quite some time. Yeah. What was the inspiration? Um, there had been a financial crisis at the time, and what was the whole inspiration and the backstory of of you doing this so many years ago? Well, you know, I, I've always been very passionate about technology, and I was convinced that the internet was really going to transform the world. Uh, so, in those days, while at Stanford, there were many things going on. We had a a classmate of ours that had spent his summer job working at eBay, and he was all excited about that. And so, so I was really fascinated by all these applications that were uh, appearing, and there was nothing of that of that going on in Latin America. So I was really very anxious to to graduate and and start something uh, on my own. I did a, a a survey with 20 Latin American classmates and asked them if they thought that this model would work in Latin America. And they all said that it would never work. That <laughs> Latin Americans I would thought never, you were going to say that, actually. Uh, they, they 100% uh, said that it would never work, that Latin Americans would never buy something they, had, they hadn't seen or touched uh, to someone they didn't know. Uh, so that there was a trust issue in Latin America. And I mean, having been born and raised in, in Latin America, but also having done college and my MBA in the States, I kind of realized that if Latin Americans are in, inside of a system with clear rules and you know uh, clear accountability, that they, they would behave like everybody else does. 
So I, I was convinced that it was going to work. And But I also thought that it was going to be important to develop a payments infrastructure uh, that managed uh, payments with an escrow component to guarantee safety to the buyers, to the sellers, and also that we were also going to be able to collect our our transaction fee. So payments was also from the get-go, uh, you know, part of the of the business plan. Yeah, exactly. And you know, here we are, so many years later, Marcos, and we've compared a ton of notes on this, but um, really the new reality that we face with. COVID-19 has unleashed both of our businesses. Um, you've experienced unbelievable record growth uh, in the last quarter. We've talked about kind of what do we think it's going to do as we look forward um, as well. Can you maybe give the people watching um, this a sense of the scale of Mercado Libre now? And how do you see that evolving um, as a result of the pandemic, you know, the acceleration of e-commerce and other services? Yeah, so, so you know, roughly this year on our marketplace uh, platform, our e-commerce platform, we're going to do roughly between 15 billion and $20 billion of gross merchandise volume. And payments uh, process is probably going to be uh, 3x that, so between 45 billion and, and 60 billion dollars of of payments processed. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to have roughly 100 million people buying, selling, and paying through our through our platforms this year. Uh, obviously, we, as you were saying, we have accelerated our growth rate substantially. The last six months, it has uh, moved us forward. I would say three years, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit more in some markets. Um, so it, overall, COVID has been good for us. I mean, I, I think uh, in terms of e-commerce, uh, many people were locked down, so we became their you know primary uh, solution. Uh, unfortunately, we had done a lot of investments in logistics and were able to handle that growth uh, relatively well. Uh, so, so very happy with respect to that. And with respect to payments, I think it has accelerated, uh, you know, digital payments, our digital wallet, uh, our we have a, a loans business that is also doing really well. We, we for some time thought that, you know, loans were going to be challenged in this environment. They haven't been because for merchants, you know, we became their primary uh uh, source of sales, so they were obviously very uh, willing and able to pay for their loans, and uh, and similarly, buyers really appreciated digital purchases and were, were also have also been very good at repaying their loans. Uh, so you know we have an offline uh, business in payments with mobile POSs that was a little bit more challenged, particularly in Brazil and. Uh, uh, Argentina during the lockdowns, but it's also it's also coming back really nicely now. Uh, so so I believe you know one of our missions is to is to you know eliminate cash in Latin America. We we believe it's going to take us a couple of decades to accomplish that, but we we really believe that uh, this uh, this pandemic has uh, accelerated us down that down that road. Yeah, you operate in. 
I think it's 16 different countries through Latin and uh, and South America uh, now, you know, predominantly, I would say, helping small businesses. Um, and uh, but, you know, obviously you work across uh, all different segments of the marketplace. But as you think about the next three to five years out and all the changes that are going to go on in payments as a result of that, you know, how do you think that your partnerships with small businesses will continue uh, to evolve? Yeah, so I mean, in the payments front, I think uh, we still have a lot of room to grow. As I was saying earlier, our mobile POS uh, business is really growing very rapidly now that the lockdowns have uh, been uh, you know, open. Uh, and we are also starting to provide loans to these small businesses using data of their uh, mobile POS uh, transactions. Uh, we're also helping them on their digital sales uh, a lot. Um, so, so I think there's a, a lot of room for growth there. And uh, with respect to the marketplace, uh, likewise. I mean, uh, we have, uh, in a way, become very, very important to many of these uh, small and medium-sized enterprises. And uh, we are, I would say right now, we are, you know, a very important part of their, of their, you know, strategy. Yeah. I, I think that will continue to, to grow. E-commerce in Latin America, probably after it was, was slightly less than 5% before the pandemic, probably this year, when we, when we have the final numbers, I think we're going to be closer to 10%. I think in the US, it's going to be closer to 30%. Uh, maybe the UK in, in, amongst the Western countries is uh, most advanced at 35%. So still a long way to go in Latin America. Uh, we have accelerated with the pandemic three, three years perhaps, but I think we have uh, at least 10 more years of uh, consistent growth. And in terms of payments, obviously it's, a, it's more of a regulated industry. So uh, you also need to be dealing on a country by country basis with different regulations. Uh, and um, different competitive landscapes. But overall, I think that uh, this digitalization of payments is something that all governments want. And uh, I think that it's it's going to accelerate it from, from here. Yeah. You and I have uh, spoken more than a couple of times about, um, you know, segments of the population that today operate outside of the financial system. They have a difficult time being part of the financial system. Um, there's a whole another part of the population that's underserved by financial institutions. And I think we both believe that somebody's ability to manage and move their money uh, should really be a right for every citizen, not necessarily a privilege for just the affluent. Um, and um, I feel like you're um, really trying to make moves um, to bring in uh, more people into the digital economy and to think about your company as, you know, really driven by a purpose and uh, very much not by next quarter's, you know, uh, profits. I mean, you... Um, inspire me uh, many times on like, just like how aggressive you are in investing to assure the future of the business to serving your customers. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, 
you know, both uh, the pros of that and some of the difficulties of that? Yeah. Well, thanks for us. Uh, PayPal has always been an inspiration, so I'm happy to, to hear those words. Uh, definitely. In Latin America, roughly half of the population is uh, you know, either unbanked or underserved by the you know, financial, current financial infrastructure. Uh, some of our countries, like Argentina, the last several years, and this year, and next year for certain, is, has a lot of inflation. So uh, people uh, that are unbanked, they, you know, with 50% inflation, they lose half of their purchasing power uh, you know, in a year uh, when they have their money you know, idle uh, you know, under their bed or in a, in, a, in a bank account that doesn't provide any returns. Uh, so, so we believe that everybody has a, a, a telephone and it's, it's uh, the possibility of providing these people with a digital wallet that gives them a return on their cash balances that at least protects them from uh, the inflation rate. Uh, and that also enables them to start paying digitally without the need of having a credit card. If they have a credit or a debit card, they can also you know, use that, uh, but many don't. Uh, so in this way, they also start to create a, a history of payments, a, you know, a financial uh, history that can be used to, to provide them with loans, which is something that typically they don't have access to. Uh, so all of, all of a sudden, these people find that they are being able to pay for their utilities in installments. They are able to prepay their mobile phones with installments using a loan and things that they were never never able to do in the past. So, so you know, right now we have literally millions of consumer loans out, outstanding uh, to people that have never had a loan in the past. Typically, the, the amounts are very small. Uh, but uh, but it's great for them, it's great for us, and I think it really helps drive the financial system uh, forward because it brings into the financial system a lot of people that have never been in the system. Yeah, I think a lot of governments, a lot of central banks are thinking about, as you mentioned, the future uh, unfolding of the financial system that's clearly going to move more and more towards digital currencies. Um, you know, if you looked 50 years ago, you know, you'd, everything would be predominantly cash or paper types of money. And if you look you know, 20 years out from now, you know, you're going to see, a, I think, a pretty radical um, shift to these digital forms of payments. Central banks that are thinking about digital currencies, you've got certain companies, you know, um, that we both know of that are thinking about different digital currencies. How are you thinking about that uh, overall, I, I guess? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, let me try and summarize it because we can spend uh, really hours uh, discussing yeah. this. I believe, uh, you know, I believe crypto is, is great as, as a substitute for, for uh, gold, let's say, uh, as, a, as a store of value. I don't think it's a good method uh, for transactioning uh, because it basically doesn't scale and uh, scaling it requires a lot of energy. And in a world, we were just talking before this about the fires in California, in a world with global warming and a world with a lot of energy issues where I think the world needs to invest in clean and renewable energies. I don't think governments would want to have a lot of resources spent in mining a virtual currency. 
that the only thing that it does is it decentralizes it and by decentralizing it governments lose power of course so so i i think it's it's not very likely that crypto as a currency, decentralized crypto as a currency, uh, will become a, a, a big, big thing. I think it's, it has a very interesting position in terms of a store of value. Uh, having said that, digital payments using the, you know, the, the, the normal currencies we have today are really interesting because they, as we were saying before, provide a lot of uh, services uh, to many people. Uh, that were using cash and that because they were using cash, they were not able to access credit or, uh, you know, pay digitally or, you know, they had risk of, you know, insecurity and thefts and things like that. So you can get a lot of the benefits of crypto uh, with, by using simply digital payments. Uh, so obviously, uh, you know, it creates a little bit of a new dynamics with the established players, the incumbents and the banks. And obviously there's a lot of relationship in different countries between the central banks and the banks. But I think that that is something that will move along. Uh, obviously also governments get a lot of information and a lot of the, particularly in Latin America, a lot of the economies are informal and don't pay taxes. When payments become digital, the, the, the economy becomes formalized and also pays taxes. So it's uh, attractive for the governments in that sense. So I think that it, it's something that will happen. Um, when that happens, the next, I think the, the traditional banking uh, situation where you get deposits from someone and lend to somebody else and in the process create money and create systemic risk is something that I think will uh, not be as necessary in the future and systemic risk as was seen in 2008 is a problem, was a problem in the US, it was a problem in Europe. So uh, I think that is going to is going to be different in the future. Yeah. Well, you and I have talked about this, like digital payments, when you can go wallet to wallet, for instance, international remittances, you send, a, and we're doing this right now, you yeah. know, uh, send from a PayPal wallet to a Pago wallet. Um, you know, this, this to me eliminates a lot of intermediaries. It's fast, it's quick. It's less expensive. These are all, I think, very positive things for um, for citizens uh, around the world uh, and for governments as well. Definitely, we have literally tens of millions of Latin Americans living in the U.S. that can, you know, all of a sudden send money to Mexico or to Brazil very efficiently, very safely. Uh, uh, and that is something that definitely we're working on, and uh, it's a hu huge opportunity. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, last question, uh, Marcos. Um, and uh, the most difficult of the questions. So, <laughs> so this is why I'm getting worried. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is uh, I try to end almost all of these uh, conversations, which is um, you know you've had so much uh, success um, uh, in your career and your life. Um, but, you know, I've come to know you quite well and personally over the years. So I know um, there have been a lot of a lot of setbacks that you've had and a lot of uh, personal things that you've gone through. And the business has definitely not always been up and to the right. Like, can you maybe give an example or two 
of some of these more difficult things? And then maybe even more importantly, you know, what was your mental attitude as you worked your way through those issues to, you know, just to, to rise above those? Because that's, I find, sometimes some yeah. of the most difficult things to do. Yeah, I, I, I think we, we always try to, first of all, uh, I say we because uh, I think the team has been very important for me. Uh, I, I, many of the people that work with me have been uh, with me from day zero. So, so having a, a team of friends really that I work with makes it easier to go through the hard times. Uh, and uh, I think as a team, we have always been focused in the long term and in really uh, changing people's lives uh, for real and, and, and for good. And uh, therefore, the, the short term uh, frustrations and the, and the failures that we have encountered in the past, we always looked at them as you know something. It's like if you're running a, a marathon or, or you're, you're starting a very long journey, you know, you know you're going to have a lot of setbacks in the way. And we, we always saw that as part of the of the journey. And we tried, we really tried to enjoy the journey because, you know, uh, it's not about the destination for us. So we really try to to have this mentality of enjoying every day and uh, not getting too psyched when things are going up and to the right, and not get not getting too bummed when the when we when we encounter failure uh, because it happens. I know you're a big big fan of martial arts, and I I was a big fan of rugby, and uh, one of the things that you know, competing uh, in rugby as, as a team taught me is that, uh, you know, you, you win many times, but you also lose often and, and you and, and it's all about the, the game and enjoying the game. So I think that's that attitude has helped us a lot. And uh, then every now and then you look back, you know, it's been 21 years and all of a sudden you say, wow, we all the things. Some of the things that we have done more recently, like QR payments in some of our markets have really taken off. And all of a sudden you are you know, in a store and you see someone take up, take out his or her phone and pay with this way that didn't exist three years ago. And, and you say, wow, we're, we really are changing people's uh, lives. So that, those things give us a lot of satisfaction. Uh, but we don't spend too much time looking back. We, we really are always trying to look forward and, and uh, you know, focus on, on the opportunities that we have, as you were saying, you know, whether it's, you know, sending money from the U.S. to Latin America, cross-border payments or digitalizing payments. There's so many things to be done in our industry that, and we really feel like we're just started, starting. So, so we're getting older. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting older, but <laughs> we still have the same energy. Uh, and the same, you know, enthusiasm that we had, you know, 20 years, 21 years ago. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I tell my team um, that I think the next five years are going to make the past five years look small in comparison. I, I just think this is a moment in our respective, uh, you know, companies and, and in the industry that we share that is going to be so exciting and it you know it inspires me right now I, we got a lot to execute against a lot uh um we gotta you know uh be as enthusiastic and determined as we've ever been but well there's so much opportunity ahead well done the, the total payment volume we are probably going to be adding this year is equal to the total payment volume that we had that took us 20 years to, to create, right? So we are adding it in one year. So, so, 
So that's the speed of at which we are, you know, moving and and also that creates a lot of new challenges and also a lot of new opportunities, which I think is great. Yeah, I think so. Well, Marcos, um, I do want to thank you uh, for taking the time to talk. Also, um, you know, for just being such a good friend and uh, and for our two companies being as close as they are. And so thanks again. Have a great day. Okay, my friend. My pleasure, Dan. Great to catch up and I hope to see you in person soon. Yeah, me too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.